0: what is up everybody and welcome into the dmbr nuggets podcast you got an air horn for me swiper <laughs> <laughs> okay, presented as always by DraftKings sportsbook america's top-rated sports cap. use promo code DMVR whenever you sign up today i am joined by none other than swipe cam you guys all know i'm making a return appearance to the show Man, you don't even need you. Your energy is always up, man. I've never seen a down energy swiper. Uh, uh, so you don't even need the air horns if we're being honest.
1: No, you know, I try to keep it live. You know, Denver hasn't had a lot to celebrate, uh, you know, for the last couple of decades. So, you know, we're in a great era. Everything's going well. We have a star in town and obviously Nikola jokic we got the wonderful star uh sierra who's also married to the starting quarterback for the denver broncos and russell wilson so everything's going well shouts
0: (laughs) to (laughs) sierra it's funny man because i know you're into all the the sports and i'm watching you follow like i am following the abs you know like i'm not a hockey guy i take it you're not a big hockey guy but you're becoming one i mean everybody that paid any attention to the abs during this one became a hockey guy and it really is man like It's funny you talk about, you know, bringing the energy, bringing the vibes or whatever. It's easy to do right now. There just Mm -hmm. is an optimism around Denver sports right now that is is, it's cool to feel like I I really don't think it's ever been like this. We've had two teams be good at the same time, but three teams. Mm -hmm. I don't think we've ever had it.
1: Yeah, I mean, we just had Nathan McKinnon, who literally one year ago said, I haven't won anything in my career, the right. most points in Avalanche history. They win the Stanley Cup. Nachushin signs back. like right. they have all these great moves they're making. And then on the other side, you know, got Russell Wilson and everything going on with the team. And, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think this is arguably peak Denver sports era. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe 1990s, you know, late 1990s when the Broncos were riding high. And obviously, Stu Stanley they from the Avalanche. Uh, but the Nuggets weren't, you know, they weren't necessarily, like, great. You know, we had Antonio McDyess and all that. So, yeah, this might be it. This might be the best era we've ever had in Denver
0: history. Yeah, for sure. Um, I see a comment here I'm going to address. High hopes for Micic on Nuggets. Uh, guys, got to get rid of those hopes, man. That that one ain't going to happen. I, I, I honestly don't think it's going to be a thing. Um I've talked to some of the people in the front office. It's like I don't I just don't see a path. Could it be in years to come, maybe if the team evolves in a way that they need that, that skill set? But you know, one of the things we're gonna talk about, and we'll probably do more of this in the second segment, is talking about just the Calvin Booth offseason, the first offseason. But we see what it is that he's been doing, and it's they have enough offense. Now we'll get defensive guys, and if they're two-way guys, great. But if they're not swing harder towards the defensive end, Mijic more of an offensive guy. I mean, he's great. He's a lot of fun. I think it, um, I think he's an interesting prospect. Or I guess he's not really a prospect. He's 28. He's an interesting piece, just not necessarily the piece that Denver needs. So I hate to, to burst your bubble, but I would not be holding my breath or hoping for that uh, in any way. Uh, I gotta get. We gotta get you out to summer league. First of all, I'm looking at myself in the camera now. Like I have not. I don't think I've looked in the mirror for a couple hours. I'm a wreck, dude. <laughs> I'm correct, right, man. I I slept like maybe 10 total hours the entire time I was out in summer league. I was partying hard in the sun, watching games, talking to people. Like my brain, honest to god, you know like a computer when you've had it on for a long time it starts work, it's like gets crunchy, it's not working right. Mm-hmm. My brain mm-hmm. working out. That's how my brain was all the way until last night when I finally got a full night of sleep.
1: Well, you know, you got a lot of basketball to watch, Adam. You have a lot of responsibility. You know, you're the content it. director and all it.
0: that. we, we could blow on my cover, man. We were talking before watching <laughs> basketball. I did a little bit of that. Did a little bit of that. I did a so, lot. Of, I did a lot so of playing, least, You know, and well, this is
1: this blackjack
0: tired you're telling
1: me about
0: right now, dude. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. So here's the thing, blackjack. We joke at the DMVR guys. Like, um, I'm I love the outdoors. You could probably tell that from me. Like when I just have my Twitter presence or whatever. Camping, Adam is the top, Adam. That's like me and my element. That's when I'm most myself. Blackjack, Adam might be right below that. Like <laughs> 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 there, and I get the whole squad up there. I mean, we were rolling like 15, 20 deep at this uh, at my favorite casino, and we'd get around the uh, the table. When you get everybody at the table, it's like you just it's communal, you know, you're all rooting for each other and stuff. So mm-hmm. that's why I like blackjack. It's easy, it's dumb and and you get to do with a bunch of people. Do you do you gamble? Do you play any like casino games?
1: So, yeah, I played blackjack a little bit. My my dad actually was one that would come home with the lots of cash after playing blackjack yeah. and everything else. So, I feel like it's a game you can play that like you could at least estimate a little bit like what well, you can control the outcome a little bit better than the other thing. So I, uh, I like playing blackjack when I do gambling.
0: You know what's funny, man? This is a funny story. Nobody, like very few people, know this story about me. In middle school, I went to Thornton. Man, I came up in Thornton. In middle school, I would actually, with shouts to my homie, Juan Miranda, every day I would take my lunch money. It's a true story. Sneak out of class and we'd go play cl- craps. <laughs> <laughs> like in the bathroom for each other's lunch money. And like some days you come home with like $30, you know, right. and then some days you wouldn't have lunch. That's a true story. Um, shouts to Thornton Middle School. That's that's how we did it over there in those days. Um, I want to – got to move on, though, because i got a lot I want to – I want to pick your brain about everything going on here with the Nuggets. Um, we'll start with the Summer League guys in Segment 1. Segment 2, we're going to get to the free agency guys, KCP and Bruce Brown mainly, but, you know, maybe we'll talk to DeAndre Jordan too. And then in the third segment, returning guys, Jokic, Murray, and P.J. Gordon, uh, just to kind of get a sense for where you're at on the roster and what what you expect for the Nuggets this season. But I want to start with the summer league guys and Christian Brown. We got a chance to watch him two times. Hasn't shot the ball well. I feel like he's done a lot of things really well. So I'm curious, what's your evaluation of him right now?
1: Yeah, I think Christian is the guy that had almost the least – to lose and also the yeah. least to prove in Summer League as well. I think yeah. everybody already assumed because of his skill set, Michael Malone guy, true Malone guy, uh, obviously the reputation he has come out of Kansas, played every single minute of the national championship game. Michael Malone has talked about that several times. I think the way that he plays and how he fits into the system, sliding in at that backup two guard position, he already has so much going in for him. I don't think that Summer League. Was gonna help him. I think what it what it what it did is solidified that he is a a guy bought into the role. He bought into what he right. is supposed to be doing with his team. Right. He didn't shoot the ball well, but he was making great cuts. He was giving great effort defensively. And I don't know if you paid attention to this. I know you probably did, but he was really good in transition. That's probably one of the oh, things yeah. I noticed most. Yeah, he <laughs> was breaking out like whenever there was a rebound, whenever there was a block shot, even the, the steals, like the help side defense. He was forcing errors as well. So. Again, you didn't need to see him do what Jaden Ivey will be doing for the Detroit right. Pistons. Like, you don't need to see that kind of stuff. I just need to see, can you play defense? Are you aware on the court? Do you know where you're supposed to be? The shot will come. Everybody knows. If you shot 39% over the course of your career, basically your last year at Kansas, that's going to transfer over at some point in time. But I just need to know, can you do everything else on the basketball court? That way we know what we can build around it.
0: It's interesting that you said, uh, you know, the way you talked about him, the transition thing, absolutely. I put on the list that he like doesn't leak out early on fast breaks, but the moment the rebound is secured, he beats everyone down court. Like he makes it, he's really athletic. Like not just people think athletic means jumping high. He does that, but he's actually a, a fast sprinter. I don't know what his sprint times were at the combine. As soon as that rebound is gone, he sprints every single time. He's in great shape. I don't. I don't think I've seen him get tired in summer league yet. Um, so uh, you know. So he's got all those tools, but he to me, all, in many ways, defines the Calvin Booth era. Like when we ask, like, what is Calvin Booth? What does he want to do? And maybe where does he depart from Tim Conley in in certain ways? The number one way is, I think Tim Conley would always want best player available in a vacuum. Best player available. What do they do? We're going to take this guy, and the upside could be huge. It could be immense. Christian Brown is not the best player available at 21. There are players that have a chance to be significantly better than him. It's like, hey man, if this guy hits, he's going to be a superstar. You know, he could be awesome, He could be a cornerstone piece. I don't think Bruce Brown can be a cornerstone piece for anybody. Mm. He can be. He's a great. He's what Denver needs, and he is. I think a really solid player. The odds of him hitting being a solid NBA player are really, really high. And I just feel like that's a little bit of a departure of, hey, we no longer need the sizzle. Like, we need the steak. That's what this guy kind of represents. So I'm really high on him. Here's the crazy thing. And I get the sense from even talking to people in the front office and around the team. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts the season in the rotation. I mean, if you look at it, Bruce Brown, guys that are locks, Bones, Bruce Brown, Zeke Nagy, Actually, I'm not even going to call Zeke Naji. Zeke Naji, Jeff Green are close to lock. There's at least one spot there, and it could be a two, it could be a three, or it could be, you know, playing where they're comfortable. That's open to me right now. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts there. It's going to be in a competition. There's not going to be named at before camp. But if in the back of everyone's mind around the team, it's like, you think it's him? Yeah, I
1: think too, Adam. I, I would say I, he he's a lot. Lock- but I think they're also hoping that he takes he's able to do it because I think they know they need him in some way, shape, or form. But again, having a six, seven, two-way guard to come right. off the bench, he's going to not just be able to supplement off the bench, but even in moments he can be able to supplement behind KCP. That way, when you put him in the game, again, there's going to be a drop off. KCP is a better player, but it's not going to be so much of a drop off. Right. You're going to lose your identity of your starting unit. So even right. if you need to play him in that slot, I think he can do that really well. And to your Calvin Boo point, we're going to talk about this later. Adam, Calvin Booth did not bring in a single player that did not have very good to elite defensive tools yep. that you can build on. Yep. He did not bring in anyone that doesn't have that because in his mind, he feels like Murray, Porter, Jokic. I have all the offense I could ever ask for. All I need you to do is be able to defend, get to your spots, show great effort, and help these players do what they need to do.
0: I, it's funny. DeAndre Jordan's is by far the worst defender. We'll talk about him a little bit later. But he's the one guy that's sort of like a, a little bit different. But every other player absolutely fits that. Even Colin Gillespie is not a guy. And I know you you roll your, you could roll your eyes and say, oh, weight guy, point guard, whatever. But no. Marcus Howard. Right. like that, I don't think Calvin Booth will ever bring in a Mal- or Marcus Howard. Like, what is Marcus Howard? He was never going to be a defensive player in any capacity. His best-case scenario would be that he grows to be a become a defensive liability that's worth it because his shooting is so good. That's no longer a risk. I think the Nuggets are going to take with this regime. And so, to your point, it, it's a salient one. Like that, that's exactly what, what you know what I see in all of these guys. Brown, do you think is he more like Bruce Brown, KCP, somebody else? Like who is he most like on the team? Right. So on this team, I think he's more like
1: KCP. I think my comp for him. Uh, coming out of the draft, but even as after draft with Pat Connington, I don't know if you like yeah, had a yeah. chance to watch his game a lot, but sure. again, that's they he's a leaper, he's a right. player that knows his role, he also is a good shooter. Like, for me, I think if he's I think he can be better than what Pat is right now, but I think that if you just said like, I think he's going to fall somewhere between what KZP does, a little bit of on ball creation, but I think again, the role he's sliding into with KCP, Pat Connington being like an elite defensive option on the perimeter for a contending team. And I think that a couple years down the line, like we're going to talk about with a couple other people that could be one of the dudes. If the nuggets are saying like, man, we're plush with wings all of a sudden, and we don't want to pay this guy. That's somebody you can flip real assets to right. because everybody is looking for players like Christian Brown.
0: Do you, are you surprised he hasn't been more of an asshole in summer league?
1: You know, I think he's just young. Like summer league is much of grown men in it. Right. And you're just getting yeah. adjusted to the culture and the NBA and you know, He's trying to also, like, not put on his best face, put on his best face for the for the coaches and the players. Yeah. Like, I don't think he wants to go over the top yet in summer league. So I do think that as he gets more comfortable with the team and yeah. then also with his role, and, you know, Coach Michael Malone's like, yo, go, go be yourself, go talk trash, do whatever you need to do. I think he's going to come as the season goes.
0: I'm a little surprised. Like, I I know I don't think he's dirty. Everybody comps him to Grayson Allen. And I feel like that that I like Pat Connington because Pat Connington does the dirty work, but he's not dirty. Mm. And and so I kind of like that comp a lot. Also, a super athlete. Uh, By the way, Pat Connington does not look like a super athlete. You know what I mean? And I don't just mean the like white black thing. I just mean like I've right. seen him in person, and I look at him, and he doesn't. Some guys that are leapers, they have like good calves, or you know, just something. I look at Kat Ke- right. I'm like, how oh, is this dude a super athlete? Man, he just looks like an accountant. Uh, right. He's, he is, he's, he's, like he's in player.
1: Peter. He's in Peter Parker mode, like during the yeah,
0: day. Sure,
1: right. Spider Man in the game.
0: For sure he is. Um, but yeah, I kind of. It's weird to say. I want to see Christian Brown make threes. I do think it's important. I don't worry about his three-point shot, but it would be a little bit nicer if we can walk out of summer league being like he had that one game where he made them, or he had a couple games where it started to go. Uh, I, that that would be nice. And then I kind of do want to see a little edge from him again. Not the not the dirty stuff, but I do want to see him like stir the pot with somebody good, you know, somebody mm-hmm. that. And he had his teammate. Like I guess if we look at this last game, he had a, ch- a chai probably not going to talk you're probably not right. going to try to talk shit to your, your buddy right you guys are right. both in you know what it is but one of these upcoming games i wouldn't mind it if he you know gets a dunk, gets a putback, and kind of like toes the line between a technical letting somebody know about it
1: well he had the i think it was a putback uh once and i know he let out like a scream or something like that but again we haven't seen him necessarily go into that uh the voracious side that he showed at kansas yet
0: um, uh, let's get into some of these other guys. Uh, Peyton Watson is the most high variant one, uh, on, on the Nuggets roster. We saw one game of him, I thought was not very good, it was actually kind of scary, like it was so bad, it was a little bit scary. And then we saw one game that was so encouraging that you kind of see it. I'm mean, actually just before we went live, I was texting with one of the Nuggets' scouts, and the you know, he was asking me, Hey, what do you think? Are you seeing it with him? What, what's your thoughts? And we're going back and forth, and he's like, in practices, it's been so much of the good. Like in practices, because I know that the front office, even I think it was a little split on that pick. You know, there were some guys that were like, I see it, and some guys that were like, I don't know. This was one of the guys that was like, I don't know. But he's like, but when we got him in practices, I saw it. I was like, okay, this guy has a lot that's hidden that hasn't been unlocked. What do you feel from what you've the two games that you've seen, how well do you feel you know his game?
1: Right. I think Peyton Watson slots anywhere between what Mikhail Bridges is, like maybe at his hmm. peak to okay. Andre Roberson and Matisse Thibault, like at the very worst when it comes to offensive tools. I think the thing with him is as soon as he – so he's going to need to develop offensive. That's clear. It's going to take him years to get there. I mean, you talked about the footwork. Fundamentally, he just doesn't – he doesn't make sound decisions all the time. Like he puts his head down and he goes to the basket. He just doesn't have like great playmaking skills yet. He's not a great
0: shooter. Even worse, like he had a drive in the first game where he just fell down halfway through. (laughs) You know, like those are – Those are even worse ones because they're like man you're 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 really below the fundamental threshold right i think the thing defensively like,
1: because i I heard sean marks uh bobby marks talk about this (laughs) uh, actually pre-draft he talked about payton particularly and he said that defensively you're just not going to find many players like this so i think the thing with him is if he's just able to develop defensively to the point where like he reaches that calvin booth level where he says he's Uh, a first or second team all nba player offensively, I don't need you to do much of anything. I just need you to be able to be, like, competent with the ball in your hand. But that's going to take him being in the G League this year, maybe getting some game. You know, the Nuggets, they, they're they going to have injuries. They're going to have players that are resting. Maybe he gets some some minutes every so often. I think the more exposure he gets to how he plays the game, since he basically missed a year at UCLA, and then he gets in, in in just to invest in a little bit in the Denver Nuggets team and the culture and stuff, I think that's going to help him. But I think it's going to take a lot of time.
0: A lot of it's going to come down to, I think, his mentality and how he... I, I think that there's probably going to be a lot of hard coaching on him early on. And he said he welcomes it. Like, he played for a hard coach last year, you know, who, who just didn't reward him. Clearly not worried about recruiting. I'm curious to see if UCLA gets top recruits going forward because of how Peyton Watson was handled. I right. think if I'm a top recruit and I'm thinking about UCLA... I'm looking at that and I'm going, man. Number one player in California. Number one player in California goes to the hometown team and doesn't get on the court very much. Like, even if he, on one side, you could say, yeah, the coach is going to play guys who earn it. But another side is going to say, I don't want to risk that. Like, I want to go to a place where I can showcase. But that, that aside, I do, he had a hard coach. And one of the things I know that the Nuggets liked about him was last year, no complaints. Like he wasn't a guy that was throwing a fit, trying to get to out, trying to do this or that, making excuses. You know, when you talk to him, why didn't you play? He wasn't a guy saying, well, my coach didn't like me, this or that. Like, you know, he owned up to it. He said, I didn't beat out the guys I was supposed to or what have you. So I think the Nuggets are going to give him a very tough love approach this next year, meaning we believe in you. We We spent a first-round pick on you. That's all you need to know. Now mm-hmm. everything we say, don't take it personal. It's, hey, we're trying to push you. And that's what I'm curious about. Do we see him improving – from October, November when we probably won't hear his name called very much this or that, by the time March rolls around are we hearing like, oh man, this guy wait till you see him on the court, his handle's crisper his passing is crisper, that's what I want to see
1: You know, so I kind of bracket Peyton Watson he's like a, he's a Michael Porter Jr. Bones Highland guy, Jamal Murray guy like, if you hear the way he talks about himself, but even like basketball the people he idolizes, whether it be Kevin Durant or Kobe or whoever else it might be he, I think him, he is prideful to the point of, I don't. as you said, I don't think he's a problem. I think he's just going to be like, I know I need to work on my game. I have right. the resources to work on my game now. I have the time. I got the money to do it. And now I have the reason. I want to be a rotational player right. more than that. Maybe he wants to be a starter. So I do think that he is the type of kid that might have the right stuff in him to go from being the 30th overall pick averaging three points at UCLA to eventually becoming that kind of player. At the end of the year, you could say, hey, you know, we're a pensioner in a playoff rotation. We need an elite-wing player to play some defense. Meet two of them. Maybe Peyton can be that guy.
0: I even think these upcoming, like the Nuggets play on Wednesday and they play again on Friday. I kind of, even these next two games, I want to see Peyton because I still, I see a little bit of his game. He made a really good pat, a couple of really good passes in this last game. And he kind of just like slashes, putbacks, like he he kind of fills in there. But I still don't quite know what he is. Like, is he Siakam offensively? Is he Jared Vanderbilt offensively? Is he Otto Porter? Like, I don't know this different molds of what type. I mean, he's clearly a defense-first guy, but the offense—is he on-ball, off-ball, slasher, cutter? That's the part I kind of want to get to. See. Is he a connector where he, like you swing and he attacks a scrambled defense? I don't know. Um, so that's what I want to Damn. see. He scored this last one, but I want to see what he does. What do you – I'm trying to think, in even
1: recent Nuggets history, dude, have we had a player like Peyton Watson on the roster that kind of had that mix of length, on-ball creation, like the the whole package?
0: I think Jared Vanderbilt is honestly the closest one, and he was like – I think the thing with Jared Vanderbilt was he was always going to take a lot of time, and the fact that he came in injured – so we basically had to put on one year. Like, Denver, just the clock was already ticking. So I just wondered if they had the patience for it. And it'll be a thing right. with Peyton, too. Like, is Peyton a guy who's a zero this year? Next year, it's like, hey, we kind of don't really count on him, but that's fine. He's on track. And then by year three, are you moved on? Are you already found something else? That's one mm-hmm. real possibility here. Right.
1: Yeah, I, I think everybody maybe I, – not. I don't want to speak for you, but maybe I think people are having some bold flashbacks with, like, crazy potential <laughs> like you know great ability but like yeah. never panned out i just i just think when I when i hear about peyton and i hear peyton talk like i don't hear bowl like bowl like you could just tell like he just he really struggled with his with his game, his identity his role like he just didn't know how to fit into that and buy in well but not just his role i think even up here yeah, maturity yeah. wise i don't think he was there i just when i hear peyton talk i don't hear somebody who's immature i just right. hear somebody that needs development you know mm-hmm. that could just be me
0: and that's honestly, I don't think Denver took another gamble on Bull Bull. And I think Bull, Bull is another one of these Tim Conley versus Calvin Booth. We don't know this for a certainty, but I think we have a, some idea of if Bull Bull hit, it's like Marcus Howard. Probably not going to hit, but if he does, it's unbelievable. Like, look right. at this guy, seven foot two, seven foot three, three point shooter. But the risks were there, the red flags were there. And it was like, it's worth it for this lottery ticket. I think Peyton Watson, they would not have done that if they had any inclination that this was not a guy that was going to at least try, you know, right. to, be the, to be exactly what they want him to be. Not just try to be great, but be what they want him to be. So I, I, I see the comp from a talent standpoint or whatever, length and this or that, but I just think they're, they're completely different um, from what how Denver expects them to develop. Why don't we um, take a break? We still have some couple of Kamagate, who's maybe the most interesting guy that so far through two games in summer league, as well as a quick little bit on Colin Gillespie. Um, but first I want to tell you guys about FOCO, Colorado sports fans. Your home for Denver sports coverage is partnering with the leader in sports merchandise and collectibles. DMBr's teamed up with FOCO to secure your access to the best collectibles and gear around, whether it's Broncos, Nuggets, Avs, Rockies, Buffs, Rapids. FOCO has something that you will love, including these incredible bobbleheads. They have them for the Stanley Cup. Uh, they had these already made and ready to go, or, or you can pre order them now, where it's different guys McKinnon, McCarr, Kadri holding the Stanley Cup, these really cool looking bobbleheads that they have on their website right now. You can check those out, uh, foco.com, or you can just click the link in the YouTube description to this show. Uh, All non-pre-sell items, you use the promo code DNVR and you're gonna get 10% off and use that promo code. We've partnered with them. They wanna see that we're sending people there. And on top of that, you get that 10% discount. So it's a really great deal. Check them out, foco.com. Also wanna tell you about Avaca TV. You might be watching this very show on Avaca TV. Maybe you haven't been able to watch the Nuggets, Abs, Rapids, but now you can watch all of those on Avaca TV who has uh, Altitude TV as part of their deal. Services include the local networks, also AT&T Sports and other national channels. So it's not just that, you also get a whole lineup. And by the way, new things, this is a new paradigm in in cable delivery. Uh, So they're actually adding things all the time. Uh, A quarter from now, you might even get even more shows uh, on there. The services are available in Denver and Colorado Springs. And like I said, you can get that uh, DNVR channel, which is on there all the time, which is really cool. There's uh use promo code DNVR and you'll get ten dollars off your first three months. Go to avaca.tv slash DNVR. That's avaca, E V O C A dot TV slash DNVR, and you're going to get ten dollars off for three months. It's only fifteen dollars per month, the first three months plus a receiver, no contracts, no hidden fees. Then you have an option to rent a receiver for just five more dollars a month, or you just pay up front for two hundred and fifty and it's yours. Check them out. Really great partners of ours. All right, back here, segment two. Ismail Kamagate, give me your takes on this this guy. So I don't know if you saw,
1: but on Twitter I, I sent you a, a little a little tweet because I'm trying to channel that same energy you gave to Nikola Jokic in 2015 oh, to form. Ismail Kamagate right form. now. <laughs> yeah, I think that dude could be, and I'm I you know again I'm not saying ceiling, just calm. He reminds me of Bam on a bio, just like how he moved, but just with he doesn't have the the body control. Like he moves like a kid to me still, right? Like,
0: don't hedge, he, don't hedge this. Can I tell you real quick? I'm gonna give you some advice. When I saw Jokic, <laughs> it was my first summer league, and it was my first summer doing this. So I'm watching this guy and I'm like, man, this dude's amazing. Like nobody's seeing this. I'm talking to everyone at, at Summer League. But like, you know, he's second-round pick. He's kind of he gets his shot blocked, and I'm like, I hedged, man. I hedged. I like, I'm like, I think he's Mark gasol but he might be paroantic. Like, no, don't hedge, man. Go all out. Nobody cares if you're wrong. Go all out.
1: Look, I think that Ismail Kamagate has the potential to be one of the best mobility bigs in the NBA, guarding one through five and being an elite at the rim paint protector. What he does on the court, like. Again, this is somebody like he. You could tell he hasn't played basketball like for a long time. Because when he's in the paint, even like on rotation, sometimes he gets lost. Like he doesn't know where he's supposed to be. But Adam, when that dude locks in, he literally changes everything at the rim. All the rim pressure goes away. Yeah. In summer, just is summer league game. Like right. people are literally like not going towards the rim or the right. basket. Like he's forcing people to change their shot before they step into the paint. And then even his ability like to be able to jump quickly. Offensively, he had not really shown much. Offensive rebound, getting better game by game. His ability to finish—like there have been times where they've thrown him the basketball like near the rim. Where I'm like, all right, you know, he's gonna catch it and you know, set and then dunk it back. But he just is able to put it right into the rim. Athletically, he's there. Body wise, he's there. All for him is gonna be is repetition, 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 and confidence. And I truly think that this dude could end up being like an absolute steal in the second round.
0: So one of the things I like about this Bam Adebayo is the guy they say when you talk to him. Like we talk to him and say, "Hey, give me the what? What, what is this guy? What, what's he like?" Like you know, he kind of moves like Bam Adebayo on the perimeter. He can guard out on the perimeter like this. Now in summer league, I will say, and I think it's a conditioning thing more than anything. There's been moments where I've wanted to see that. Like he's done it for like small stints. There's been moments on like closeout where I want to. I want to see how he can close out and take away the three, but stay in his stance, you know, not get, get blown by. And I haven't seen that yet. And I think it is more about conditioning than anything else. Look a little tired out there. I hope by Friday's game, he's just in a little bit more rhythm and better shape that we see more flashes of that. But that is the comp. And I saw somebody else say, he reminds me more of Capella. I would say it's somewhere in between. Like Capella is a great rim protector, probably better than Bam Adebayo. Actually a lot better than Bam Adebayo as a rim protector, but weaker out on the perimeter. I think he's somewhere in between those guys. Like he's a good rim protector, but he can move his feet like, like Adebayo. And I do think he actually moves more like Clint Capella, just how he walks, runs, Mm -hmm. catches, dunks, this or that. But I'm with you. His perimeter defense is the thing that matched with that rim protection that I think is so unique. I think, I think he's an NBA player. I really do. I think next next year or maybe 18 months from now we're going to be like wow what a steal this guy's an nba backup center that you have for 4 years basically mm-hmm. 3 years and and he's uh you know he's a lock to be a rotation piece
1: yeah i think the thing i've noticed some of those clothes out i was wondering you know that absolutely could be a conditioning thing I was wondering if he is just, like, is he afraid to, like, miss? Like, if he goes out too far, does he not think he can recover? Like, or does he not want to foul? But, again, to your point, that might be part of the conditioning where he's just, like, I don't want to get out there and then I don't have the energy to turn around and try to beat him back to the basket or something like that. So, again, I do think he just needs to play more and needs to get in better shape and needs to learn the game better. But, again, man, like, when you're that big and he's clearly bigger than everyone, and he's not, like, a skinny dude. Like, he's a thicker dude as well. I mean, if you just are able yeah, to put is. that together in a system, I think he could be a really, really, really good player.
0: Yeah. I, I, the reason I think it's conditioning is just watching him. And may, I don't, maybe I haven't watched the games. I've watched him on Synergy, but I haven't really watched the broadcast. Watching him in person, I've just seen a lot of like ball goes out of bounds. He's like hunched over. like, catch, right. like he just, I'm like, oh, wow, that guy's tired. And maybe this is the double-edged sword. He plays really hard. So he's probably more tired than other guys who are, like, picking spots to rest. He just kind right. of goes all out when he's on the court. So um, we'll see. But another guy who, by all accounts, is, like, an extremely hard worker. Like, the, the question of will he work to improve is not a question to them. They're like, oh, no, no, this, this guy, like, he wants it. He wants he wants to be in the gym nonstop. Um, so I'm excited. Uh, I, I'm all in on Kamigate. The The question of how to get him over here. Whether to go abroad is a more complicated one, and I think the Nuggets look at him and go, yeah, he probably could play. It's just, is there going to be a way to make that work reasonably that kind of protects his contract and all these other things, and I'm, I'm pessimistic about that, sadly. Um, we go over now to Colin Gillespie. He's the two-way guy. I don't think expectations should be too high on him, but – He's my favorite dude to watch. I love this dude. He's just my type of guy. I don't know if he's an NBA player or not, but the way he plays is like my fave my favorite way of playing. What do you see from him? And do you think he's an NBA player?
1: Yeah, so I, I said uh first couple of possessions, I just I like his pace, I like his control. He doesn't try to do too much. And again, I think some he needs to be a little bit more aggressive in some ways. But I think he's just literally trying to set the pace for the team. Again, he's he has some size on him. He has some shooting, shot four ten the other night. He has the ability to penetrate a little bit. He doesn't take a lot of gambles. For me, I think that he's actually a good piece to have on your squad to say, like, if Jamal needs to sit and we got East Smith and we don't want it to be Bones or whatever else, you need another guard, another third guard to throw in there. I think Colin has the ability to step in. And again, like every other player that they seemingly have gotten, he has played a lot of basketball. He is a championship kind of player, and he's a player that knows what he does very well. And so he walked into the summer league, he didn't play outside of himself. That's probably one of the things I've noticed. Well, he's playing within his game, not trying to too too much. And he also knows, like, I'm going to have my opportunity to do what needs to be done. So I think that that's a great player to have in your system, that then allows you to have some flexibility in the future. Because I think that he has the potential to be a real rotational player in the next couple of seasons.
0: Where is he from? Do we know? I'm going to look this up real quick. I mean, I know where he played. I know he played at Nova, but do we know where he grew up? Uh, Pennsylvania. So he's from Pennsylvania. Um, he's clearly, oh, he's from Philly. He's from Philly. So yeah, Philly, the Philly uh, Philly fans love him, actually. I was going to say, he's a total East Coast guy. I would have guessed like, a, he's like, seems like almost like a New York type guy. Cause he really is tough. Like he plays mm-hmm. a tough brand of basketball and like guys, you know, guys, maybe i will try a job at this or that. And he's all for it. Like he, he, it just gets him going and I don't know. He looks like, um, like a prep school kid or something, you know, like mm-hmm. he, really, he, he doesn't look like he would be that, but, yeah, uh, he really does have that in him. Would you feel comfortable if he had to play for a month? If, if there was like, let's say Bones Highland went down, and all of a sudden you got Ish Smith, you got Colin Gillespie, would you be comfortable if he was at the helm for a month?
1: Okay, so I'm going to say this. This is not disrespect at all. I think that uh, there are many things that Baku compiles does really well. I think that he is a yeah. great international player. I would be more comfortable with him on a consistent basis, I think, than I would with Baku. Just because I think with him – you offensively, there are things that he can do that actually would actually make the defense have to rotate to a little shoot bit. off the bounce. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like even if I, if I had to trust him to say like he has an open three, I can trust that they would actually be like, all right, man, we got to actually rotate to get out there. I think he can control the pace again defensively. As bad as he might be defensively, I don't think he's going to be any worse than what we've seen from Baku the last couple of seasons. So maybe again, this is a part. A part of this is I think that if you had to ask him to do it. And you just didn't trust that Ish Smith was going to be that guy consistently. I think he'd be a great replacement right now for what you would want from a point guard and a good approximation for what you had in
0: Monte Morris. Swipe is never afraid of the smoke, but he just hedged against Faku fans. Like, did they get to you, man? Did they pull a Ryan Blackburn? You're not afraid to argue with people. Are you afraid of Argentina, dude? What's going on here?
1: No, look, I'm, I like Faku as a person. I just, like I said, I, I said yeah. it all last year. I think that Bone should have played. He he played 52 games too long. I didn't yeah. think he should be on a roster yeah. in the playoff. Should have been Davon Reed. I mean, I've said all this, you know.
0: Yeah. I am curious to see. I mean, Ish, I think that is going to be the guy. Right, Gillespie's going to be in the G League. We know he's on that two-way contract. But I am curious if there's a moment in time when both guys are on the roster. Like, if there's an injury or whatever, and and he gets called up just as insurance. I will be, I'm going to be curious to see if – is it going to be Ish? Is it going to be Gillespie um, that they call up? I could see either. Like, Ish Smith has his own weaknesses too, you mm-hmm. know, so um, that would be interesting to watch. How big is Colin, by the way? He's taller than you think. Like, when I was standing next to him, he, I think he's listed as 6'2", but I would have guessed 6'2", 6'3". You know, okay. sometimes – especially the shorter guys, I always assume they're shorter than they are. Mm-hmm. But, no, he, he, to me, did not look like – I mean, he's not like Faku or one of those guys, you know. Like, he's a he's a pretty much regular heighted guy um, and kind of like stockier, too. You know, he's strong. He can handle the contact. Yeah. Um, KCP. That's, I don't know if KCP or Bruce Brown are the biggest additions. Like, they're both kind of right there. I guess since KCP will start, he's a little bit more of that. What do you make of him, the addition of him on the roster?
1: Yeah, so I was uh, high on KCP. I was high on him at the trade deadline. Uh, I was high on him obviously going into this offseason. Again, a six foot five, almost six six guard. Um, that 39%, I think, shooter. He shot 45% from the corner. I want to say he's one of the better on ball guards in the NBA. Um, I think that there's so many things that he does well. He's a physical player, which I think is something we've missed at that two guard position since Gary Harris stepped out. Like, I think prime Gary Harris for the injuries, obviously. Like, the way he's able to play, get over screens the way that he plays in transition as well. There are going to be so many things that he does for the Denver Nuggets. And, again, I think having a player, because he's not a he's not a great on-ball creator, but he's good enough that if you're in a pinch at the end of a shot clock that you can give him the ball, he can do something with it. I don't know if you saw uh, with him with DC, but last year he had a great stretch of games where he was averaging over 20 points a game. Uh, but, again, they had some injuries. How many
0: games that was need. that? What was that stretch? Because I did not I would, see this.
1: Yeah, I wanna, it, it may have been like five or so games or something like okay. that. I have to
0: go okay. back and look yeah. it up. So
1: it wasn't, it wasn't a lot, but it was just enough to be like, all right, you know, if you're in a pinch, you can utilize him to some degree. Right. I think that kind of what Jeremy Grant was in terms of his offensive role when he was with Denver, I think that's probably going to be around what KCP, if not a little bit less. Um, I think that he's not going to be the playmaker to Will Barton is. But all the defensive lapses that we were looking at and even some of the hustle stuff that you didn't feel like you got from Will at times – I think that that he's going to make up for a lot of that. So I'm actually really excited for KTP to be slotted in, especially next to Murray and next to Joker. I mean, next to uh, the Porter. That's going to be the best two guard defender I think they've had. Maybe even maybe even over that Gary Harris in the bubble.
0: Man, I. I- It's funny because back in the day I was arguing that Gary Harris was a better defender than KCP. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. those two players to me were so similar, and I was on the other side. So now we'll see getting a closer look at KCP. Obviously, Gary Harris also fell off in that capacity, so it became a little bit less, you know, more obvious. But I am curious if KCP is another guy who and he's in a contract year. He's another guy that I think his best role is slightly below what his preferred role is. Meaning I don't think he's a gunner. But he's a fifth option on this team the same way Aaron Gordon is. Like Aaron Gordon, one of the things I'm most impressed with him is that he doesn't really take shots he's not supposed to. Every now and then you're like, okay, that's a bad one, but who doesn't? But he mostly seems fine being a guy that they don't run a lot of actions for. I wonder Mm if KCP is that way or if he's a guy that even if he's willing to play that role just needs a play called for him every stint. You know four times right. a game we have to call the KCP play, even though it's not that good of a play, but we gotta call it just to make sure he feels okay about things. That's one of the things I'm curious to kind of see in him.
1: Yeah, well, I think KCP, if you look at his track record, if you want to run some sets where you're getting him on the move as a shooter, he can do that. If you run some things right. for him going to the basket as a cutter, he can do that as well. So again, I'll see KCP as a high volume dribbling capacity. So whatever Clay Thompson was at his peak in terms of like his usage, KCP probably below that, but I think he's around that player. You didn't have Clay Thompson to dribble the ball. I know you still don't have Clay Thompson to dribble the ball a lot. I think KCP is able to slide in next to playmakers, and he's and I think something that's, that's missed about shooters or players like that is they know how to find gaps in the defense to, to be utilized best. So when Jamal is on ball and he's penetrating, he knows he needs to be at the top of the key on the wing or in the corner. If he sees Jokic struggling, he knows how to rotate on the side of the double team in order to actually get into this spot where Jokic can see him. I think even if Michael Porter Jr. has the ball, if Michael gets in a, in, a, in, a, in a bite, he's able to slide the corner so he can see him. I think that kind of stuff is going to help elevate his role. And I think he's going to be comfortable within that as long as you maybe get him, like I said, get him some stuff on any the, the action. But I, I don't see him complaining a lot. But, again, I think that's just what I saw from the Lakers. It could be different.
0: I know you loved his comment about the bubble. Right. I mean I loved it too. Like I've been saying right. this. I've been saying that I didn't I don't go as far <laughs> as he does where he said like the Nuggets would have won or whatever. Right. I just say people act like that series was like a a breeze. I also heard Lakers by the way back talk about the 2009 series and they were like I hate when people say that series was close. It was, you know, a 6 game series and they won the last game by 30. That was not a close series. I'm like man, I hate this. I hate it. Like whenever a team wins, it feels right. inevitable. That series to me was closer all the way down to the final game, the final like quarter of the final game, that was the only time it didn't feel close. And I looked at that series, and I was like, man, the ball bounces the other way, and the pressure was on them. And Denver right. was always feeling themselves. Like, if Denver would have got up 2-1 in that series, I honestly think that the shots were going to fall. Like, that team just had a right. feel of necessity to it, and that Anthony Davis kind of – that shot kind of sucked it out of there. So I love that he said it. I think it's probably pandering, but right. I think it's also there's a little truth. You know, there's a little truth in it.
1: I think it's a six- to seven-game series, but I'm not going to lie to you. I think that LeBron James was inevitable. I don't know if you remember that game five, that last stretch he had.
0: Here's my question. How many of those did he have in him? We haven't actually seen a playoff LeBron put more than one of those together in a row.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was game five. Yeah, it was game five that he did it. And then I think – well, even that stretch where the Nuggets were up 20 points. I mean, they won, but, like, they also – it was a turnover best too. Ronda was getting still. LeBron oh. was in open court. AD was doing it. So, again, you know, maybe. maybe you know, maybe. I, I just, at that point in time, LeBron still seemed to be, like, near the peak of his powers. And oh. I'm not going to, like, again, that last five minutes, it was just like, I feel like I'm watching a rerun of the of the, of the Detroit Pistons series. Like, there's nothing you can do about
0: this. I'm telling you this one right now, though, with LeBron. And we'll, maybe, he, maybe he'll prove me wrong. He's proved a lot of people wrong. But we right. have not seen LeBron go a full season into the playoffs and then battle after battle after battle. And we just saw my big theory. If you listen to the show, you know it. Chris Paul ran out of gas in the playoffs this year because he had to play an actual series after series after series. LeBron in the bubble got four months off before the bubble and then Mm -hmm. never went more than five until he got to the finals, went six. Like it was just, it was a breeze. I want to see what happens if he has to go six games, six games, seven games. Like I just want to see if he has the stamina at age 37, 38 because that's the part that leaves. Players can Mm -hmm. have one great game. They can have 38 Mm -hmm. straight great minutes. But can they do that every night for two, three, four, five, six weeks in a row? That's the part that we just haven't seen. We haven't seen it.
1: Well, Adam, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't think you have to worry about it, sir. Because even if they get Kyrie, I am not (laughs) concerned about them in the conference finals. I'm not. So you don't have to worry about it.
0: (laughs) Let's get to Bruce Brown before we hit a break. Um, He was at it as well. I keep. It's funny, man. I had an epiphany the other day because I keep thinking, like, okay – Bones at one, Bruce Brown at two. I think Bruce Brown's actually the three. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I actually, he's not that tall. In fact, I was standing next to him. I might be taller than him. You know, KCP's about my height, six, five and a half, maybe six six. Maybe KCP has me by a little bit. Bruce Brown, I think, is a little bit shorter than me, but it doesn't matter. He plays bigger. What do you make of his game and, and how's he gonna fit?
1: Yeah, so Bruce Brown is an elite cutter. His floater game is legendary. I don't know if you got a chance to watch any of that stuff yet. Um, he is a great, like kind of a, a switchable player between one and three, or even some fours in some situations. Defensively, I mean, there's a, there's a realistic chance that Bruce Brown could just be the best jack-of-all-trades defender on the roster next year, and I think even I more than Aaron Gordon in some, in some ways. Um, I think Bruce Brown, at again, I think you and I both were probably thinking the same thing when we saw Bruce Brown. That Jamal Murray, Bruce Brown, KCP, Aaron Gordon, Jokic lineup is just going to be incredible to watch defensively. I think that he's going to have a lot of major minutes, and I'm not going to lie. I think he's going to close a lot of games as well. And I think there's some things that he does better than KCP does, even offensively, that you're going to be able to utilize. I think, again, depending on how Porter is, where he is defensively, if he's locked in, you know, he might play over Porter in some, in some instances as well. I think he's going to be interchangeable with both of those spots. So when when we got KCP, it was kind of like, all right, you know, we had to get a perimeter guard. But when we got Bruce Brown, even though I feel like some some of us were hoping they were going to do that anyway, that was like, all right, like this is actually a championship type of piece that you have on your roster that changes the outcome of a series because defensively what they're able to do on a consistent basis. So if you have Bruce Brown and then you say, here, I need you to actually guard Steph Curry down the stretch, does Steph Curry go off for 12 or 14 straight points at the end of the game? I don't think he does. I think he can right. still get his, but Bruce makes it immeasurably more difficult for players like that.
0: What's your favorite five-man lineup the Nuggets can roll out next year? Your your besides, personal favorite. like This is going to be the the one I think is going to work the best. So besides the starters? Or just no, any I don't, is it the starters? That's one of my questions. Is it the starting lineup?
1: Man, that's tough. You know how I'm on Michael Porter Jr., so I don't know if uh, I'm going to be able to. So I think, let me put it in two parts. I think the starting unit is going to be – one of the three or four best, if not higher than that, best starting. It might be the basketball.
0: best lineup, man. Go all in. It might be the best five-man lineup. Well, again,
1: if we're just <laughs> saying everybody's healthy and we're like, "Hey, Michael Porter Jr., get in there and shoot the lights out like you always do," and we saw he was actually a good help side defender with that line. Right. So, like, you know, he was good. If Jamal's good, KCP, if he's shooting well, Aaron Gordon now fourth option. And again, I think there's a player on there that won the MVP back to back. Like he might be out there too. So like. They're going to be good. But defensively, Adam, we haven't seen elite defense since the 2018 19 season on the Denver yeah. Nets. You're going to see Jamal at 6'4, KCP at 6'5, Brown Jamal at 6'4. 5.
0: Jamal's my height. Jamal's so 6'5. 5. Yeah, so he's yeah. 6'5. Again, I measure guys up when they say 6'5. I'm always like, right. let me see. He's my height.
1: Right. So then you have Aaron Gordon. So you can switch one through four, Adam. They can all shoot. Aaron Gordon in a dunker spot, and now you're like, hey, you're fighting against the Wars, you're playing against the Mavs, you're playing against the Suns. We're switching one through four. And now, not only that, you have two elite offensive players and you got role players who can
0: shoot. I know. We yeah. haven't seen it.
1: I'm saying we literally Adam. Have not seen Denver roll that unit out, maybe ever.
0: Ever. Yeah. I think there's a couple lineups. The starting lineup is probably the safe answer. Another lineup that I heard at Summer League a lot when I was asking people this actually featured Aaron Gordon out and MPJ at the four with Bruce Brown at the three. And I think that's another one that you look at and you go, Michael Porter has sort of been pigeonholed into being small forward by being mm-hmm. just because of what Denver has. But I think he's actually best as a stretch four. he might be the best stretch four offensively, the best stretch four there is. He's not because right. you talk about playing power forward. You might not touch the ball. You'll touch it a little bit less than if you were a small forward, but that's kind of his best game. If he's a corner three point shooter, you know, providing that corner spacing, there's nobody better than him. He's going to shoot 50% from the corners on, when he's open. Um, and then you talk about Bruce Brown, KCP. You just have all guys that can handle the ball. Bruce Brown's not going to shoot the ball great in that lineup, but I do think he's going to do other things well in that lineup. So to me, that might be it. Of course, you take Michael Porter out and put Gordon in there. That's also a great defensive lineup. And don't sleep on – I don't know that we're going to see it a whole lot. You always have that one lineup you want to see, but don't sleep on MPJ at the four – KCP at the three, Bones Highland at the two. Now you're yep. talking about that That lineup just scores every time. Their defense might suck, but if you close, like say in the third quarter, you closed with that lineup and the other team has like two, two starters who are out just because of their rotation, I'm sorry. You might score 10 points in two minutes and 15 points in two minutes just because you every time down the court you're getting something good out of it. And look, and again,
1: so there's two points to this. So one of them, I even like the Jokic out lineup. Where you put Gordon at the five and you have MPJ at the four, and then you have Bruce Brown, KTP, and Jamal. I wanna see what that looks like. Now yeah. I wanna know what the defense does. And everybody's switching at that point in time. So, and also then with that, I think the other thing about this too is, Adam, you talked about this before, but that game three, four, and five versus the Warriors, and they were all really close games. And I, I think I've even heard you say that might've been the best three game stretch anybody played against the Warriors in the playoffs. Um, I might be misquoting you. I don't Yeah,
0: want to I mean, as, as close at least. Right,
1: right. Think about, Jokic didn't have anybody else on the court with him in that instance. Yeah. So if you just put Jamal Murray in there and then have KCP and Bruce Brown, do those games change? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's that close. And then now you have another offensive option, another good defensive player. Like I said, everything that comes down to the Denver Nuggets being a championship team is going to be situational. Can they make the adjustments necessary and close the game out? I just think they have so many options for the clothing lineups now. They're going to present everybody issues in some way, shape, or form.
0: Thousand percent agree on all accounts. I think another area we agree is going to be on Michael Porter. And I want to talk about him next on the other side because I'm seeing the comments, man. We got these negative Nancy's in here, man. All these cynics <laughs> in the world. And I get it. I get it. There's a reason. But I think I'm going to start the MPJ hype right now. Like, I want to mm. let's start it up because I think people kind of forgot. It's been so long right. that people have forgot. But first, I want to tell you about Green Mountain Dental. You guys know them. They've been a longtime partner. All the way back since the BSN days, Green Mountain Dental Group has been with them. Why? Because they love Colorado. They love Denver. They love DNVR. They love Denver sports. They're like, what a perfect fit for us to partner and become like a tentpole partner for you guys. Right now, you can schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, and you receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. Uh, Tweet at us when you go there. Let us know. Show us that free Sonicare toothbrush. You won't regret it. Um, only 15 minutes from downtown. They're also a family owned business. So you're going to be getting that family touch, you know, where everybody is following up with you, gets to know your name, um, and just taking good care of you. Part of growing up is being great and responsible with your dental hygiene. So if you haven't been for a while, don't fret. Get a hold of Green Mountain Dental Group, make them your preferred dentist. Again, cleaning, x ray, and exam, you get a free Sonicare toothbrush. Also, want to tell you guys about Athletic Greens. Um, our next, they're they're a product that I know they send us, this is the best part about being part of DNVR is the little perks. They send us athletic greens every single month. So we all have them and they've got, it's a great way to start your morning. I've been recently on this kick about coffee in the morning. I've been addicted to coffee, this or that. Replacing that with athletic greens, it's funny, it gives you the exact same sort of like energy boost, but you feel a a thousand times better. What does it give you? Uh, Improved gut health, more energy, optimized immune system. Uh, If you hate taking pills and vitamins, don't worry, this one's got everything you're going to need. 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods sourced from superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. It's a special blend of ingredients for your gut health, nervous system, immune system, all of that stuff. So you wanna check them out. Uh, today to make it easy, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. That's right, a one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com/nuggets. That's right, slash nuggets, not even DNVR, athleticgreens.com slash nuggets. So if you've been on the fence of it, you can clearly tell what we're doing now. We're seeing who recommends this stuff, Would from our listeners both kind of want to check out our different products. So athleticgreens.com slash nuggets. Again, athleticgreens.com slash nuggets all right final segment here bringing swipe a cam back and don't forget guys swipe a cam always bring in some great content and perspectives um talks about the team honestly in ways similar to what we do here but also in a lot of ways we don't you know he also gets into a lot of these debates and does a good job you know sort of uh you know mixing in with other people about where does jokic belong you know you know we we know a lot of national media voices for some reason don't realize that the two-time mvp is a generational Hall of Fame-type talent. So Ipecam is always reminding the people that that is exactly what we're looking at. I want to, just real quickly, because Jokic is interesting, Murray's interesting. Let's just go to Jokic real quick. I want to get to MPJ, but Jokic, two-time MVP. I think there's no chance he wins MVP next year. I'm Actually, one of my favorite storylines is I think there's a good chance the Nuggets are the one seed. There's a good chance they're, like, a top-eight defense. I think there's a good chance Jokic is having the best year of his entire career and I can't wait for everybody to like try to find reasons. He's not the MVP next year. I, I can't wait. I'm not going to participate in this discussion, but I am going to be observing it while I chuckle to myself. What do you know of who you are? You are antithetical
1: to anything MVP conversation and I know that you hate that conversation with everything in you, but here, here's the thing. And Adam cut and again, I'm asking for information purposes last year. Uh, did, did you say that uh, you didn't think Jokic could win again because of find, like, <laughs> media and
0: all that stuff and work against him? I did not think he could win again. I did not think he would win the second one for narrative purposes. Right. And so, again, I think that's a completely rational take to have. At some but point, he- though, by the way, to be clear, at some point right. I, I was like, he's going to win again. So certain guys took themselves out of the running and it became such a small field. But, yeah, but going into the year, I definitely thought it wasn't going to happen again. Right, and so the reason
1: I say that is so in your dream scenario, which everybody is healthy, which I lot to me, that's all it is. Is if our people healthy, I think the Nuggets can win fifty-seven plus games healthy. You know, it, it might even be higher. Than that. But
0: again, it just, it all it's can. actually a sneaky storyline for next year. Is the, the franchise record is fifty-seven? I think they're a fifty-seven win team. So, like, it's a sneaky storyline of hey, you can really put your stamp on the franchise's history if you go for fifty-eight.
1: Right. And, again, it's just if we go back, Adam, you saw they lost that 25-point lead to the Clippers, a 17-point lead to right. Charlotte. They lost twice to OKC. There are other games in there. Just take those games and then add right. them to what they had. And then if the Lakers game at the end of the year, okay, Adam, that's 53 wins right there. So you're saying four more wins? Four. That means wow. you're clo- – and, again, I'm saying this is all situational, but I'm saying clothing games the right way. So right. if I have all these players on the team, I think they can do it. And here's the issue. Because now it's going to be like, Joker is going to be averaging 26, 12, and eight and a half on 58 or 60. Who knows? It's up to this year. It could be 60. <laughs> and then next year you're shooting 37% from three, 84, 85% from the line. His PR is going to be outrageous. All the analytics are going to be outrageous. And they're going to be like, oh, yeah, they won 57 games this year. Uh, 200 players are averaging 20 points. Oh, by the way, they're the best team in the Western Conference. What are you going to say? Are you going to yeah. say, like, oh, we can't give it to him three straight times? I just, I just think there's a very real scenario where he wins. I don't – could again, they're going to be pushing Luka Doncic next year. They're probably going to push Embiid. They're probably going to push Steph Curry. But, again, there's everything would have to go right for them to win it as well. So it's not just going right for Joker. It's also going right for Jokic. But if he had the best or the second-best record in the conference and he's outplaying the rest of these players, I just don't know at that point in time if he plays 76, 78 games again What the argument's going to be. But again, you're right. They might push back and say, hey, we got to give Joel and B the, you know, or the pity MVP. You know, maybe we got (laughs) to.
0: They're going to want to. I'll tell you this Philly is building an MVP team. And what I mean by that is they're building a team that has two guys that get all the credit and a bunch of guys that just kind of make them look good. You know, a bunch of floor spacers. Those guys' usage is going to be huge. And I think it'll work out to the degree that it worked out in Houston. Meaning, Adam,
1: I think you're underselling the Tobias Harris All Star Leap, Adam.
0: Is that right? is that right? Yeah, that's coming for sure. Um, do you think he can be meaningfully better though? Like this statistic, like you're talking about, he's going to be better by virtue of the team being better. But look, he's we have not seen him plateau yet. Every year, he's actually been a better player. Is that trend going to continue next year? Or and are we going to see that even if it does? Right. Are we going to see it in the regular season?
1: I think defensively is is the next level. I think yeah. uh, Coach Michael Malone has talked about the leadership stuff. But yeah. I think defensively, and Adam, again, you know, you watch more Nuggets than I do. So, like, again, you know, great great content creator, DMV, all that other stuff. I think you have seen that at the start of the year, he wasn't, like, just yeah. good defensively. He was playing extremely well defensively. I remember I hit him to Kias Duncan on Twitter. I was like, you think he's going to get some to defensive boats? Right. You know, people said no, but, like, that's because he was going to tail off. But, Adam, if he doesn't have the offensive responsibility and you don't have to make him do everything – well, then, again, if he can maintain that level of play over the course of the year with a few drops, because that's just the way basketball works. But if you say that he starts off the year defensively like he did, and then he's able to maintain that, okay, well, then that's a whole different conversation. Because now you're not even talking about Jokic not being a defensive liability, which is already the conversation. He's done a defensive liability. But now it's like, how many how many bigs can you actually say were better defensively than Nikola Jokic this season? Yeah. That's the conversation I think he needs to have.
0: I think this is actually a more likely outcome or the, for the Nuggets regular season than people realize is that Jokic's numbers might actually take a step back. I mean, part of this is Jokic does what the team needs. Like He really doesn't have – I know a lot of people say don't have an ego. I think he really doesn't have an ego. And if he averaged 22 points per game next year, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised, especially if Denver was a 58-win team. Meaning if Jokic surveyed things and was like, you know what? They need me on defense not offense this year so 22 points per game is what i'm going to give them but i'm going to be a special defender i mean i'm not like all these things that i think i can do on defense i'm going to emphasize and kind of fade to the background just a little bit on offense i wouldn't be surprised and that's another hilarious outcome it would be funny to me if the nuggets next year are the number one team in the west top five defense and maybe they're only the seventh best offense and it's part of that pitch right. is like less aggressive than he's been the last two years and everybody loses the plot on him they're like well how come the offense got work it's like hey or worse they're a top five defense you guys right. they're what you guys thought the boston celtics were all of a sudden like try to figure that out i think right. it's really uh, a real possibility mm-hmm. jamal murray what are your expectations with him next season and is there any part of you that worries next year might be a little bit of a disappointing one especially early on
1: well, I think, Adam, and again, you know, you would know more than better than me. I, I just, when I look at Zach Levine and DeJounte Murray, and when they came back, I mean, 16, 18 months in, they were basically 100% healthy. Like, if they mm. weren't. It, you didn't really see, like, drop-offs in their game. Like, if anything, it was just a reintegration of playing basketball. But when I look at their two cases, Zach Levine, that explosiveness that he had pre-injury, it was there. So right. I, I guess for me, it's just like, is Jamal – going to be comfortable. But again, I think the better question is back to you, Adam, how much runway does Jamal have to be able to fully recuperate and reinvest his body back into the NBA game? Because I think by, I mean, really, Adam, after the first quarter of the season, they're going to need him playing back at an all-star level that he was playing at when he got hurt the last 25 games. He was averaging 25 or 24, 5, and 5. You know, he was shooting, I think, 50, 46, and 92 over the last 25 games or something like that. Now, he doesn't have to be that efficient, but I do think right. that at least a quarter into the season, he's probably going to have to be there. But I don't know what, what your thoughts are on that.
0: I'm probably a little more skeptical of you. I, I, I'm with you on the timetable, 18 months. You're right. The, one of the differences was that it's more like the DeJounte Murray entered, uh, injury and in that it happened so late that he missed a full season. Because I think with Zach Levine, he injured it early came back at the end of the season. And I think the mental hump aspect of that got taken care of, even though like he didn't play great in April or March or whatever it was when he came back, the mental hump was over so he could approach the off season with that box already checked and kind of get back to it. I think Murray not playing last year, the biggest sort of residual damage will be in that mental hurdle. Like he just has not been on a court with Chris Paul and Devin Booker and those caliber of players. He hasn't been on the court for them for so long that I think we're going to see in October, November, maybe even December Murray that is still adjusting mentally as much as he is physically to it. So for me, I kind of feel, I think that my my hot take with Murray is I think he's going to be 100% by the playoffs and we're going to see his best basketball. And maybe he plays, has such a choppy regular season that the scouting report maybe shifts. I would not be surprised going into the playoffs people are talking about Michael Porter as the second best player on the Nuggets roster. And then in the playoffs, Murray going back to being the second best player um, and even second best scorer or whatever on the team. I would not be surprised at that just because I do sense that Murray has some mental hurdles ahead of him that are probably going to be a little bit harder.
1: Yeah, and maybe to your point, maybe it's just a continual ascension uh, to the point where he feels comfortable. And maybe just like with the Warriors, you get to that all-star break and that last 22, 24 games or so, Jamal Murray lights out. And maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's just a slow ascension up. And then that last 24 game, you know, he put up 23, 23 points a game on good efficiency. Defensively, he looks better than he ever had. And now he has all the momentum he needs going into the playoff. Maybe that's what it is.
0: I do think there, you know, there's the best scenario is if he has some breakout games. Like I would love, he keeps saying he's more athletic than ever before because part of and you hear this a lot with injuries. These guys right. come back, especially young players, they come back more springy in part because they've built up the muscles around that injury so much mm-hmm. that they're even more suited. So I think getting a poster dunk like he's had in the past, some of these poster dunks early, might also be a box to check off of like, mm-hmm. that's right, I can do this. Because I think there's something with players where you're almost afraid to go all out on anything, and then when you do it once and it is rewarded, like you get a big-time dunk, you're like, oh, yeah, I got to do – I'm going for people's heads now. And I think he right. – I think there will be a moment. I actually – I'll say this. Here's my hot take. I think there's going to be an exact moment where we feel he's back.
1: So, like, he just has one of those another DJ Wilson dumps on somebody and everybody loses their mind?
0: It's going to be something like that, or it's going to be, like, a really explosive fourth quarter. Or hmm. it's just something where it's like, man, Murray hasn't been himself. And all of a sudden he has a 24-point quarter, and we're like, oh, my God, he's back. Like, there it is. He's back. And then it just – you know everything's gravy from from that point on. I can't uh, wait. No, have no, yeah, you gotta hop in on these hot takes, man. <laughs> Super producer Kel says fifty point game, baby. Fifty point game coming this season. I'm just calling. <laughs> when it. is it? Call your shot. When is it? What is the uh, date? January. J- okay, January. He just says January. All right, it's January like fifty point cone. game. January fifteenth, like I don't I know. Oils. Sure. Be bold. Be bold. <laughs> that way you could call this back. Like when Murray has a great game on January fifteenth, you're like, you get to call it, man. That's Look how you do that. It. Um. All right. So let's get to my favorite. I, I'm out in summer league, man. And you get to be take around. Her, take your time, cook. Adam. Take your time. I, I'm. I'm. Are you clear? I'm, I'm going to cook here. i Actually, I want to <laughs> set the stage and let you cook. You stand next to all these guys, and they're enormous. You're just reminded of the fact that Jamal Murray is my height, and he's a guard, right? He's the shortest guy. Michael Porter is enormous. He is enormous. Relative, like if he was on the Nuggets Summer League roster, he'd be tied for tallest guy. That's how tall he is. The guy, when he was playing, didn't know anything about basketball. He's a young player who had missed all this time. He clearly has so many holes in the way he thinks he builds the game. And yet, when him and Jokic are on the team together – They win 80% of their games. They don't even have great chemistry together. It doesn't matter. Just by virtue of the talent. We talk about Peyton Watson. He gets things done, but he has these fundamental breaks, and the hope is he can continue on those, but he still at least produces. Michael Porter is the same way. He shoots more efficiently than any of these volume scores. He averaged 20 points per game his last season. He played fully healthy. And on insane efficiency, and yet we sit here and go, he doesn't know that much about basketball. To me... I think I see the injury concerns, I get it. I see the IQ concerns, although I think those are, I I expect we're gonna see the smartest version of MBJ we've ever seen. I actually think he had a really bad nine games last year, but I think from an IQ standpoint, they were actually sneaky better than people realize. It's just that he couldn't move, so it But but he was playing more or less the right way than what we had seen. I think, I look at this and I go, people talk about him like he's this negative, or like he's this Mm. drag. People forget Michael Porter is as good of a three-point shooting big man that we've ever seen, and he's coming back to this roster and maybe in the perfect role. Like, I think people are sleeping on him. I think he's going to be the second-best nugget over the first three months of the season next year, and I think people are going, as long as he stays healthy, I think people are going to be fully back on board as early as the first or second week of the season.
1: Right. I, Adam, you've heard me talk about
0: Michael Porter. So,
1: this is not new information. But people just are.
0: Do people remember, like, well, all three of them looked on the court together? They obviously don't. They, they don't <laughs> they because don't. it's been so they long. They don't. It was so to their to the defense. Right. It wasn't that long of a period of time. But yeah. Right.
1: Adam, they had a 700, and I've looked this up. <laughs> I love this. They had it. 774 minutes more Murray, Porter, and Jokic on the court in the 20, uh-huh. 20, 2020, 2021 season. Adam. Had an offensive rating of 123.9 with all three of them played. Adam, in the playoffs
0: – By the way, that's not a ton of minutes, but that's not like, well, yeah, they had that good game and it weighed everything up. Like, No, that's a good enough sample size to say 123, that's, right. that's a lot. 123.9, Adam. In the playoffs, in the 2019-20 playoff,
1: they had a 124.6 offensive rating. So imagine the literal greatest offensive trio ever on the <laughs> court together, which the numbers say they are. So I just think that people with Porter have to realize that like Porter is a that more natural score than even Jamal Murray is. Like people just are just so distant from the fact that like when Murray went down, Porter was averaging like 23 and one and a half. And he shot like 50, 50, it was 54, 50, 82, I want to say like, He is one of the greatest shooters literally that we've ever seen walk into the NBA. He's six foot, 10 and a half. Again, Porter's kind of dude, like, again, you can attest to this, when he walks into a gym and you see him and you didn't know anything about basketball, you say, that's one of the five best basketball players (laughs) I've ever seen in my life. He
0: has the number one basketball look. Like, he just looks like a guy that you're like, because even Kevin Durant has, like, kind of skinny shoulders or something, you know, like, he's long. But you look at Michael Porter and you're like, proportionally, he's just such a tall, perfectly built basketball player.
1: Right. And people have to remember, like, it wasn't that Jeff Porter isn't putting hands on people. We saw him score on Jamal – or not on Jamal, yep. on LeBron, on Kawhi, on Kate, yep. on PG. We saw him in the Clippers game. I mean, this is after Jamal got hurt when it was Baku Kampano starting at point. Porter was roasting the Clippers. <laughs> the best right. wing defenders in the NBA, yeah. Marcus yeah. Morris, him, it didn't matter because that's how good he is. Adam, you remember that shot he had? Where Marcus Morris went and contested his corner three, and, and he had to pump fake it and get it into the back versus in LA, like, like I'm saying, he's man, a, like
0: he's a natural scorer. Like what I like, he is his the scoring is just he doesn't sleep, and it's just a thing right. you're born with. Like he's worked on his craft a lot, but he somehow employs that craft in a way that's subconscious to him.
1: Right, and again, and again, you can attest to it because you talked about this before. Porter isn't just like a guy that's immensely talented who doesn't also have an immense work ethic. Porter has an immense work ethic. It's just been his health that had prevented right. him from being able to be what he wants to be. But Adam, if, if Porter's healthy, what, what else do you need offensively? That's why you can buy all into defense. Again, going back to Calvin Booth, he brought in Christian Brown, defense, brought in Hayden Watson, right. defense, brought in Ismail Kamagatte, defense, and then even KCP and Bruce Brown. Those are all defenders. The right. reason that works is not just because you have Jamal Murray. But you got a six foot 10 wing who's one of the best offensive forwards you could ask for in the right. history of the league from a scoring standpoint. So I am just waiting for Porter to have a healthy season again in which he can shut everybody up. Because, Adam, you remember this. When the James Harden trades were going around, people were bringing up Michael Porter Jr. in the reported rumor. Apparently, again, you can speak to this, they weren't going to give up Porter. In order to even make that happen, because of how good Porter was, so I just right. think people have to just get a reacclimated to who he is as a player. But again, you know,
0: yeah. we'll see. The thing with him is like the people, the injury stuff, like whatever, like nobody really knows that. You know, I've right. had um, some doctors on who do this, you know, this exact type of surgery, and you know, right. their whole thing is it less shortens his the the career length like they don't think right. he'll play past 32 33 at most maybe even less than that but they don't think it should necessarily mean that he is it's inevitable that he's going to get hurt again like it could happen it could not he's obviously a risk i would be shocked if he played more than 60 games next year i think denver is going to kind of take it slow with him mm-hmm. so all of that and then another thing i keep thinking is and i talk about this a lot i think everybody says in the playoffs you're going to have to defend every position and i think there's a lot of truth to that the golden state warriors are steph curry all other players are situational now. Is Draymond mm-hmm. Green situational 98% of the time? Yes, most of the time he is there. But guess what? In the finals, in one of the most pivotal <laughs> games, he was out and it was controversial. But it was like Draymond Green, integral to the part of uh, to the, what those that team does. He was out of the rotation. You go uh, to Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, those guys were great. There were key moments in playoff series where it was like, hey, it's just not for you. I think Michael Porter is the exact same. Against the Golden State Warriors, for example, I think Porter is actually less valuable in that series. Like He almost moves into a Jordan Poole role, which is he probably can't be on the court when the other team, in this case the Warriors, go to their best offensive lineups. He probably can't, which means he's probably not closing that series. Maybe he closes a gamer here too if he's on fire or whatever, but for the most part you're probably going to go somewhere else. But guess what? If you play the Clippers – He's probably on the court more than most players yeah. other than Jokic because now all of a sudden you're saying, this team is going to try to guard Jokic straight up. They're going to count this. Put Porter out there and take Kawhi completely out of the game. Kawhi is going to guard MPJ or he's going to guard Jokic and help side, but mm-hmm. he's not going to guard both or Paul George mm-hmm. or whatever. So to me, I look at it and I think people discount him because they'll say, oh, he's not going to be as valuable in the playoffs. And I just think it's he's not going to be as valuable in every playoff series. Murray, Jokic are probably – equal value in every single series like they're they're just they're on there every other player becomes interchangeable and the fact that he's on a max i think people think well you shouldn't be that lots of players are maxes that are not that are just like porter who are less valuable in certain circumstances
1: and again i think that's what i'm I'm not gonna lie this is probably my favorite so the reason i think this is the best team that jokic has had is not just because of the pure talent I think, in terms of the versatility of the roster, it's actually going to help them out a lot. Yep. That way, when you do get in situations, again, MPJ is not our best defender, but you know who's a much better defender who can do what they need to do? Bruce Brown. Bruce can go in there and do what he needs to do. By the, need way, though,
0: by, by the way, he brings certain traits to defense. Like, he's actually, right, he I know people are going to laugh at this. I think he's the best rim protector on the team. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, Uh, In the main rotation, you know, main rotation of guys. It's not going to be Jeff Green. It's not going to be Aaron Gordon. It's not going to be Zeke Nagy. It's not Nikola Jokic. Like, he is a help side shot blocker. He's actually pretty good at it.
1: Yeah, so he's the help side defender, and he's he's, he's the second best rebounder on the team as well.
0: Right. Which matters. Which
1: matters. (laughs) Again, if you secure that rebound versus Golden State last year when Jeff Green and Will Barton were staring at the ball, once again, that's something that he does well. He plays with great effort. Now, he plays at his own speed. So, like, he, he has his own speed he plays at. But he gives great effort on the board. Offensive rebounding, he's also great as well. So, once again, if you have Joker and MPJ and Gordon all looking up at the basketball, let to get offensive rebound. Again, I just think that having them on the court and everybody being healthy. Last year, people struggled with Jokic. and They got 48 games. And they struggled even in the playoffs to contain the Nuggets in the last right. game with just Joker. Now you add Jamal and a great all-ball creator and a good playmaker and a good shooter. And then you add an elite shooter and a decent all-ball creator. I just think, again, it's just the Nuggets are going to have so many ways to answer whatever question that you have for them. And again, all this depends on health. If they're healthy, I think that they can make it out of the Western Conference just simple on the fact that the top-end talent in Jokic, the playoff talent and all-ball creation with, with Murray, and then also having the shooters and defenders, the fluctuate between them, right. I just don't see other teams have that at their disposal. Right.
0: The last part of this, and I gave this take a while back, but I I'm, I'm, I'm want to say it over and over again because the more I think about it, the more I think it's very realistic. If Michael Porter staggers the most of the first starters and plays the most minutes with the second unit, to me that would be a huge win. If he plays a lot of minutes with bones, I just think Porter is at his best as a scorer when he's thinking score first. And part of why I think some people are low on him is because that doesn't fit with the role when you were with Jokic where you need to kind of fit in and take smart shots. But you put him out there with Bones Highland. If your bench unit is Bones and MPJ, and then everybody else is just role-playing guys, you know, your Bruce Brown, maybe a Christian Brown, Zeke Nagy, Jeff Green, like those types of guys that aren't eating ISOs, I actually think that means Michael Porter gets to eat a lot, and I kind of believe in Bones Highland's ability to unlock him. What I mean by that is I think Bones is a hooper that knows that MPJ is a hooper and will be like, hey, we need to get MPJ here. Mouse in the house. Porter, go to work. We're just feeding you until they call a timeout because they put some six foot five guy on you, and you're just going to drain elbow jumpers until they call a timeout. I just mm-hmm. think that's a bright one of the brightest timelines of next year is Bones being the guy that helps unlock Porter in the second line second unit.
1: Right. Yeah, I think Bones can do that. Um, I do think that he's going to stagger a good bit this year. Uh, I'm curious, and again, last one on Porter. Do you remember the Phoenix Suns game last year when he kind of he opened up the season? actually making some assists, actually playing really well in the playmaker role. I do think that Porter has, I hope he's continued to elevate his game. Cause I think he'll be able to do that more. That's going to help him not just even with the second unit, but with the first unit as well. Just be able to create more opportunity for other people and even use his own offensive gravity in order to make those changes. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I'm really excited for him.
0: Me too. All right, we got a super chat before we get out of here. Benjamin Heyman says, how high into the top ten or so NBA players can you see MPJ getting in his career? They love player rankings, man. The people love them. They love to rank players. What do you got, Swiper? How high do you see him getting in his career?
1: So, yeah, I have a top 25, top 40 that I've been working on. So I think, again, the last eight through 10 is going to be your John Ranch, your Trey Youngs, and then, again, you know, whoever you want to put in that last 10 spot. The thing is with those players, those are not players you consistently have in there year in and year out. Like, Trey Young's not a top 10 player every year. Neither is Jason Tatum. But I think Porter is one of those kind of players where he had one of those years where he's averaging 26 Seven and three and his shooting is outrageous. Defensively, he's been a good defender an average defender. And then that's the kind of season that he has the ability to have. So I think Porter has all NBA level defender, like level seasons in him if he's fully healthy. But again, in the same ilk as like DeMar DeRozan does, like he made 13, he made 13 all NBA this year. I think that he could be that kind of a player.
0: I have a harder time seeing that. This is why Porter's weird, and I, I, it, it's funny, man, because I think people always hear. This is why they like rankings, is because they want it. It, it makes something that is abstract. It makes it solid, but when you make mm-hmm. it solid, it's not a solid concept. So it it, it actually is is often like misleading. Mm-hmm. Porter is a guy that I think is can be a top fifteen to twenty scorer. What i mean by that is i don't know that he's ever going to be a guy that like if Jokic went down murray went down your offense is still going to be fine and that can happen with a paul george for example everybody else gets hurt but you got paul george he can make the offense hum because he's that type of all-around offensive talent i don't think he's that kind of guy so how do you quantify it what i do think is that he's the can be the guy that breaks the system for the other team like the other team is like okay we have a plan to make life hard on joker nobody can stop him but we have the guys that can make it hard and we got guys that can contain murray and this or that nobody has the resources for murray Jokic, and porter and i just think there's gonna be a lot of nights where porter goes seven for nine from the three point line and another team looks across and goes we did everything right and we lost by right. 20 because porter just we had to give up something we ran him off the line but it didn't matter he's too tall went seven of nine and we were we didn't just lose we were right. crushed, we were absolutely right. crushed. He grabbed six offensive rebounds in this game and you know what, something, the door was open somewhere and he just slammed it shut for, for us, so.
1: Adam, how, how great will you feel when that happens versus the Warriors next year in a 4-2 series, that's the Nuggets win.
0: The Warriors slide. are the tough one, man. The Warriors are the one team that I look at him and I go, You're, you've got to guard. You just have to be able to guard. Like, they didn't stop. Right. Denver had a 122 offensive rating. You just talked about 123 offensive rating. They just mm-hmm. had a 122 offensive rating without Murray and Porter. So to me, it's mm-hmm. like, can you guard? That's the one series I don't necessarily buy him in, although we'll see, mm-hmm. maybe he grows as a player. But all other series, Clippers, uh, you know dallas uh whatever it is i just look at it and go i'm sorry like memphis for example memphis you're really going to roll out stephen adams and say go guard mm-hmm. and you're going to win a series because steven like i'm sorry you're going to have to help and if you're helping that means michael porter is just splashing three-pointers in the corner mm-hmm. non-stop in that series so that to me is that's where it's going to feel the best is when you go up against a good team and you look at the box score at the end of the third quarter and the Nuggets are up 20, and it's like Jokic has 16 points. Murray has 16 points. Why are the Nuggets up 20? Oh, Michael Porter has 30 because he gave (laughs) up something and he just cooked you. Right. Uh, Yeah, I think that's in the future. So, again, I'm I'm excited to see it, Adam. I really am. All right, John says, keep uh, just keep crushing the content. I know we will. I know Swipe is gonna be crushing the content. Nuggets fans, man, you guys, I'm telling you, count your blessings. You got a phenomenal team and you got a lot of people that love this team the appropriate way. Share some content and are thinking creatively and putting in the time. And that is absolutely true for Swipe, Cam. Anything you wanna plug before we get out?
1: No, man. Hey, hey Adam, you're doing a great job. I love your content. You're absolutely one of the best at what you do. I love hearing you on Zach Lowe. I'm excited to see how DMVR continues to grow
0: By, and all by that the stuff. way, I think another one's coming up here this week, so a little, little teaser there, go. there. All
1: right, bet. Everybody make sure you plug in and watch that then.
0: Um, by the way, man, we got to get you out to Summer League next year. We plan it, all <laughs> right? Let's put it in. Let's put it in the book. Swipe a swipe does Summer League. <laughs> that sounds fun to me, bro. We'll get you out there. Everybody else, thanks so much. Hit that like button on the way out. We will be back tomorrow for a post-game show of the game, which is our no podcast during the daytime tomorrow, but there will be one at like 10, 1030 at night, just like the old days during the season. Uh, we'll see everybody then.